the Lord. Amen. Are we glad to be here today? This evening we're going to talk about something that is of high priority to every one of us. That is marriage. Marriage. And we're going to stand on tonight's word and pray for marriages and therefore children. Children. As many as are ready for marriage and as many as are believing God for children. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that is about to come. We pray for Lord teachable and understanding spirits. For as difficult as this teaching might be, Lord, give your servant insight. Give me wisdom. Grant me to receive revelational knowledge so that the entrance of your word tonight will bring light to all of us. That your word will honor and glorify your name in the life of everyone here this evening. And as many as will listen to the audio, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The scripture we're going to read tonight is... um, it's difficult to understand, but I'll try and simplify it. It looks like everything about marriage is difficult. <laughs> it looks like almost everything about marriage is difficult to understand. I'll try and make it very simple. I myself, I do understand all of it. So we have to believe God, the Holy Spirit, to give us better understanding. Um, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 verses 32 to 38. Maybe that will I believe not maybe I believe that will help many of us in whatever situation we are in regarding your marital status. So, 1 Corinthians 7 verses 32 to 38. I read, I'm going to read from the New King James Version of the Bible. I read um, the NIV and to me, look that the NIV is wrong. (laughs) So we're going to dwell on the New King James. The NIV is talking about different things altogether. The meaning you get in the NIV is different from what you get from New King James. But New King James is translated from the King James Version, which is the authorized version. That is the 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 um is what derived from the original Greek and Hebrew versions. So it is called the authorized version of the Bible, or the King James. The New King James is the same. So if you're using the NIV, you might find that your Bible may be saying a different thing from what I'll be saying. But I'll explain to you what the New King James says. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 7, verses 32 to 38. 
But I want you to be without care or to be without concern. He who is unmarried, he who is unmarried, he who is not married, cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin or a woman who is not married. Now, there's a difference between a woman who is married and a woman who is not married. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Verse 35. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash or I may put a burden on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction, so that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he's beha- he be- he behaving improperly toward his virgin or his daughter, or his virgin daughter, if she's past the flower of youth, in other words, if she has reached marrying age, and thus it might be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well, or he will keep his daughter, does well. So then, he who gives her or he gives or he who gives her daughter in marriage does well. But he who does not give her or his daughter in marriage does better. I believe we are all confused at this stage. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> but <laughs> what I know I'll let you I'll let you we talk about marriage. We're talking about marriage. And Marriage, as we have it now, church, marriage, or most marriages as we see them now, uh, have deviated a lot from the original version of marriage. Take note of that. Marriage, as we see it now, because of the passage of time, change of things, because of the world system, how things now, the way marriage is sort of celebrated, the way married lives are led today, now, have deviated a long way, a long way from how it used to be or how indeed it should be, how it should be. The church is there, the church of Jesus Christ is there to make sure that to a large extent, that to 
a large extent or as much as possible, we as believers, we will stay on the foundation that was built by God, by Jesus, and by the apostles. Unfortunately, many churches are not doing that now. But the church of God, the church that Jesus has established here on earth, one thing that the church has as its mandate, as its commission, as its duty, is to make sure that not only the worship of God is done properly, not only do we have the right attitude to our work, but also we must have the correct attitude towards marriage. Marriage, as we know, was ordained by God. It was one of the first things that God instituted after creation. Marriage was one of the very first things that God himself instituted soon after he created the world. When he created Adam, but formed Eve out of Adam. God created Adam, but he formed Eve out of Adam. And he brought Eve and performed some kind of marriage ceremony between Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. So that even when, when Eve had her first child, First child, imagine when Eve saw the very first baby. No baby had been born before. And a human being came out of a womb. No human being said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I have acquired a man from the Lord. God created Adam. God made Eve. But out of Eve and out of Adam came a man. So Eve said, I have acquired a man. God has given me a man. Therefore, when you look at this scripture, and don't forget all scripture is inspired by God. It is not, it wasn't, it wasn't Paul's own word, but as the Holy Ghost gave to him, so he wrote. Now, when you look at verse 32, verse 32, verse 7, verse 32, he says, but I want you to be without care. I, wa- I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to be, without co- to be with concern. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried, man or woman who is single, cares for the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. How he may please the Lord. Now, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. As he received from God, so he wrote to the Corinthian church. And in discussing matters of marriage, I believe Paul was being careful to communicate with the Corinthian church exactly what he received from the Lord. And he's talking about a single man, a single woman. The unmarried man, no married woman. And he's saying that the one who is unmarried or the man who is unmarried he who is unmarried, verse 32, he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. The fact is that, the original fact is that 
In fact, if you find yourself not yet married, if you are not married, your first and your most important care in this world, or that time, though now things have changed, must be for the things of the Lord. How you may serve the Lord with your undivided attention. You may devote most of a lot of your time to serving the Lord. Because that time you are not married, but you are believing God for marriage. I believe the reason why many of us, I believe that many of us remain unmarried for a long time is that once we were unmarried, single, whether you are a man or woman, in fact, we gave the Lord very little, if any at all, very little, very, very little attention. The things of the Lord were pushed behind. And Bible said that he who is on my care for the things of the Lord, how he may be holy, how he may be holy, and um, I may please the Lord. Holiness and please the Lord. That's how it should be. This is how it should be. Now, verse 32. But he, the man who is married, cares about the things of the world. How he may please his wife. Because see, when you, the moment you are a man, you get married, now your attention is divided. You have to now worry about or care about how you please your wife. In other words, you may not, you cannot have the same care, the same attention that you used to give the Lord whilst you were single. You have to go to work, how to, how to feed your wife, your children, how to pay your rent, utility bills, electricity, water, even how to take off hospital bills. So many things now come into play that Bible said that now he who is married now cares about the things of the world. Not that a person is sinning or become worldly, no. But now he has to think about things that are needed here, things that are physical, things that are natural. Not, not only things pertain to God, but things that are necessary so that he can please his wife and please his children and not be regarded as hopeless, careless um, husband. The Bible is saying here that at least those days, the way it should be, the way it ought to be, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Take note of that. He who is single, he who is unmarried, in other words, must care, must care for the things of the Lord. Give more and more and more utmost attention to the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, how he may be a good husband. How he may be a good father. Take care of everything in the house so that you will not be seen as a, a, a failed husband or a useless husband. 
Now, verse 34 says, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin or a woman who is not married. Because those days, and that's how it should be now, in the church, the Bible said there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. There's a difference between a woman who is married and a woman who is not married. And a woman who is not married is referred to here as a virgin. Because those days, it was unheard of, unheard of that a, a believer, a believer in a church who is not married should not be a virgin. It was, it was unheard of that somebody, young woman, who has passed the flower of youth, not married, but not a virgin, it was unheard of. It was not good enough for the church. The church did not have that. So Paul is saying that there's a difference between a wife. A wife is not a virgin. And a virgin refers to a woman who is not married. But these days, many Women are in the church who are not married, who are not virgins. In fact, some are without husbands, but they may have as many as three children with different men. Four children, different men, before they come to the church. But the culture of those days, the culture of those days in the church, and I'm seeing that begin to happen because that those who are born in the church, at least there are children who are born in SCAC. And they stay in SCAC. They all grow up with virgins. As far as I know, they all grow up with virgins. Until they marry, they are virgins. So I can say, like, like with Paul, that there's a difference between a wife and a virgin in SCAC. Hallelujah. Oh, church, are you with me? So get this point carefully. And that's why I, I, I was, uh, one reason I was very, I you know, I was very angry with her. Uh, Somebody in this church because she was a church worker here. And it was obvious that her daughter, who was supposed to be a virgin, was having an affair with a tenant, a tenant in their home. It was obvious that the daughter was having, and she didn't seem to care. And she would come and minister and do things, come to the front and minister and go away. So one day, I could say, Aren't you concerned? That this your daughter is obviously clear that she is having sleeping with this man who is a tenant in your house. The one she said, ah, the minimum way. She just didn't care. And she didn't even bother to ask the daughter and get the truth from her. But that was the end of the matter. And I was very angry with her. Very angry with her. Because it was bringing disgrace spiritually to the, to the church. It was a disgrace, a spiritual disgrace to the church that somebody who was a departmental leader had been ministering unto the Lord for years. You look on and your firstborn daughter, your firstborn daughter, who should set an example in the church, sleeping with a tenant in your house, and she did not seem to give a hoot. She didn't care about this. Even I was worried, I was concerned, but she wasn't. Hallelujah. So, the first lesson we learn is that being single, don't forget that. Being single, when you are single, God, whether you are a man or woman, God expects 
expect that you care more, a lot more about the things of God. How you may please the Lord with holiness and servings and ministry, even fasting and prayers. And I'll tell you why. Because he, you will not remain single. Church, know this. You will not remain single for life. We are not saying that you should stay single for life. You want to marry. We talk about marriage. You want to marry. We want you to marry. I want you to marry. But until you get married, there's a ministry for you. There's a ministry. That's why you don't start life being married before you become single. You become you are single before you become married. And once you are single, God expects that you use your being single as an opportunity. God commands you. It's a command. That that is an opportunity for you to serve God devotedly. Devotedly. With all your heart, soul, and mind. Give the Lord your undivided attention. And that is what will open the door. That is what will open the door for the marriage to come. Church, believe me, that is what will make God open that door for you to marry. But even when, but when, 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 but when, when we are single, you care less, very little about things of God. Then when you become married, when now you begin to care about the things of the world, then where, will, where, which place will God be? Where would, the, where would you place God? Because when you are single, God was occupying only 5% of your time. Now that you are married, when God knows that now you have to care a lot more about the things of the world, that means that the place for God will become zero. Become zero. Become zero. And that, that can be a, a hindrance. It can be something that will not allow God to hear your prayer for, prayer, for, for, for marriage. Church, clap your hand for Jesus. It's going to get better. Now, so verse 3 said, But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Now, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. I've told you what it means here. It means that if you are not married, God calls you a virgin. Once you are not married, God calls you a virgin. So, if God is calling you a virgin and you are not a virgin, then there may be a problem there. The unmarried woman, that the virgin, cares about the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. That is caring about the things of the Lord. But she who is married cares about the things of the world. How she may please her husband. How she may go to the market, do the shopping, come and cook, feed her children, take care of the home. That's if it's, if it's a housewife. Or even go to work and come back and do all these things. It is not, it, it is not that easy. When you, once you get married, you are tensing automatically. 
uh, unavoidably become divided. You cannot help it. Become divided. Because then, you have to care about the things of the world. How you may please, if you are a woman, how you may please your husband. And that is how God has ordained it. But once you are single, and you have all the time in the world for yourself, then what do you do? What you do with your life is important to God. But it means that when you become married, then you will be doing less. So the more you do, the more you can do. The more you do when you are single, the more you can do when you get married. And that's what will pave the way for you to get married. Church, clap your hands for Jesus. And this I say, verse 35, and this I say for your own profit. This I say for your own good. Not that I will put a leash on you. Not, I, want to, I don't want, he said, I don't want to put a rope around your neck. But for what is proper, Paul wants us to do what is proper as a church. He wants you, whoever you are, to do what is proper, whether you are married or unmarried. And that you may serve the Lord without distraction. This is how you can serve the Lord without distraction. Praise the Lord. 36. But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly, this is difficult. But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly toward his virgin or his daughter or his virgin daughter, if she's past the flower of youth, and that it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Those days, the reason for this verse is that those days, the culture in the church on those days was that people were so zealous, so committed, so much in love with God and the worship of God those days, that there were some people who say, well, I'm a man, but I'm not going to marry till maybe at the age of 40 or 45. And not, until that time, I'm going to all my time, I'll spend every day in the house of God. Every day. Or from work, I come to, I stay here, I'm the last to leave. I even pass through here before I go to work. So there were some who were determined that they would remain single at least up to some age before they married. But they knew that the way they loved God, the way they served God, the way they were so zealous, committed, when they get married, they cannot serve the Lord that way anymore. And therefore, in other words, they were reluctant. They were reluctant to get married. For the sake of the things of the Lord, they were reluctant to get married. Both men and women, young, they were delaying their marriage purposely. Purposely. So that they can serve the Lord better. And then it happened that also some fathers, fathers who were Christians, serving the Lord with their family, also because they had authority over their daughters, because they had power over their daughters, decided that the way me, I and my wife, the way we are serving the Lord and my children, I'm not ready to let my daughter marry. So that the man will take her away and she will, not, she will stop serving the Lord the way we are serving God. Because they saw that the worship of God compared to marriage was a lot more important than marriage. 
To them, the early Christians, the worship of God, the face of God, to many of them, were a lot more important than marriage. Because marriage ultimately always will lead to a divided attention. You have to divide your time between your, your spouse, your children, and God. So some fathers, he said, I know, I don't want my daughter to marry. You know, the daughter had reached marrying age. The daughter had reached marrying age. And of course, the daughter too agree, agree with him. Not by force. The daughter will agree with him. Daddy, I agree with you. I will marry until I'm 40 years or 45. So I can serve the Lord. But then, Paul is saying that if you are a man, and this is the way you feel, but at the same time, you feel that, oh, you are, you are not behaving properly. Your behavior to your, your daughter is improper. You know, yes, you are torn between letting your daughter serve the Lord with all her time, all her energy, and letting her marry. So, that become a problem for the man, for the father, the father. Then he says, let them marry. You don't sin. It is not a sin. Paul is saying, hello, feel free. Let your daughters, let your sons marry. Let them marry. You do not sin. That is not a sin. That's not a sin. It shows, church, how God expects us to look at marriage in relation to his work, serving him, worshiping him. Because definitely, marriage is a very demanding profession. Hallelujah. As you know by now. It's a demanding thing. Before you were single, you had, every time was for you, you and yourself. But now you married, though you are one flesh, you are two. Two, one flesh. And it is very demanding. Very demanding. Especially when the children start coming. Takes your time, takes your energy. It will take your money. Take your thinking, planning, worries, malaria, fever, diarrhea, cough and cold. Go and queue in the hospital. Go and join the line and you see about a hundred other children. There, it is very, very demanding. So some fathers decided, oh, because of this, then... Uh, I, learned, I want my family to continue serving the Lord the way God wants us to serve him. So, my daughter should not get married, my son should not get married. But then Paul is saying that well. It is that way you feel. But your daughter has passed the age, the youth of flower, or the flower of youth, or the flower of youth. Let them marry. It's not a sin to, to cause your daughter to divide her time or attention. It's not a sin. Let them marry. Let them begin to also care more about the things of this world. This is what Paul is saying here. Based on the culture of those days, we don't have that now because we have all deviated. We have all strayed away from the true unadulterated word of God. We are not doing our own things. But God, who does not change, I believe sometimes will look at us and see how far we have moved away from the way he wants us to do things. Especially when it comes to marriage. 
When it comes to marriage, we have all the, gone astray, doing our own thing, and yet we come to him praying for marriage, praying for pregnancy, praying for blessings, children. Meanwhile, we have strayed away from the way it should be. Then verse 37, he says, Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin daughter, that's well. So Paul is saying that, well, if your conscience worries you, and you feel that, well, you are troubling your daughter or your son by not allowing them to marry. Let them marry. But he who is strong, steadfast, who can stand firm and has control over his will, control by his will, and will determine that he wants to keep his daughter or keep his son. In other words, will not allow them to marry for some time, for some time, not them, it doesn't matter how handsome the man is who comes for it or how much money he's got, but no, my daughter will not marry until she's 60 years old. Praise the Lord. I live for some time so that when she marries baby at the age of 28 or 30, she can look back and say, Oh, from the age of since I was born in the church, I've said the Lord. So now I'm 26 years old, 28 years old, 30 years now, I'm marrying. I know that my time will now be less for God, but at least I've saved my time. And therefore, God has blessed me with this marriage. But Paul is saying that, well, but if any father decides that, you know, he has no necessity, he's not worried, no compulsion, together with one want to no marriage, Paul is saying that such a man does well. That man had done very well. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? If any of your fathers, your father, or I should say that, because the way you are serving the choir, uh, I know when you marry, you will not sing anymore, so I won't let you marry. You stole me to death. In short, church, how far we have strayed or moved away from the original doctrines. But it doesn't mean that does not negate, that does not cancel the word of God. Rather, we are rather canceling ourselves. The word of God stands forever. It's, 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 it's established in heaven. We rather, the more we stray, the more we make things difficult for ourselves. So that if somebody is in the church and the person is 80 years old and that person has, is not married and it's his or her decision his or her own decision that he or she does not marry until she's 35 or 40 Paul is saying that that person has done very well we shouldn't criticize him or laugh at him laugh at her why are you 40 and you are not married we shouldn't compare her to somebody who married at the age of 18 and say, oh, you are 45, you are not married. Look at your, this small girl came, she has married. No. As long as it is his own decision or her own decision, 
with the purpose. The reason, the purpose being that he wants to serve God better. Be holy to God, serving him with all his or her time. Paul is saying that such a person has done well. And if a father decides that for this reason he would delay the marriage of his son, the Bible said he would keep his virgin, that's well. Now verse 37, that he would keep his virgin, he does well. Now verse 38. So then, so then, he who gives her in marriage, that's well. He who gives her daughter in marriage has done very well. But he who does not give her in marriage, that's better. <laughs> I'm not, the Bible, I'm not saying it. Is, is, is that in your Bible? Yes. Verse 38. So then, he who gives her daughter, her virgin daughter in marriage, that's well. They are not sinned. They are, they are not well. But he who does not give her in marriage, that's better. That's better. Hello? <laughs> this, this may sound, it sound strange to you. But sometimes, I believe that sometimes uh, God does some, God allows some things. God allows some things to come away so that we can serve him better so that he also can bless us better. Church, may you all serve God better. And may God bless you better. Maybe, maybe the fact that you are not married now because God, God who controls our power can cause you to marry tomorrow. He can bring somebody from from uh, anywhere in the world, see you, fall in love with you tomorrow, marry you in two months' time. God can do it. God can do it. That like he brought my wife, he brought my wife to me when I wasn't expecting. I was not ready for marriage. I wasn't thinking of marriage at all. Not thinking of marriage. First year medical school, six years. Six years of hard studying, examinations. Hey, everybody was afraid. First year. And there's something we call FUE. First, those who use, not level 100, level 200. Level 100, they've already given you 100 marks already. We used to have FUE, first university exams. FUE. Do they still have it? You don't have them all. FUE. Any course that they admit you to do at the ground or university, if you fail, an FUE was tough. And that's why they used to sift out those who maybe came into the back door. Once you failed, you are out. And they'll put all the results on the notice board in front of Balm Library. Every day. People were falling down. People were collapsing. So we call that play firing squad. Some were even afraid to go and look in case their names were not on the list. That means you are going home. So we call that play firing squad. And it was in the midst of all this that God brought my wife to me. If it were you, what would you do? You wouldn't even look. And many of our mates were like that. They were not ready for a relationship. They were not ready. They waited until they had finished school. Now it's a doctor. Before he opened his eyes to look around, it was too late. Six years later. So I started courting in my first year before I even did my FUE. But God took me. I never failed a single exam throughout my, my, my six years in medical school. Not one exam. I never failed a single paper. Not even an exam. 
Praise the Lord. So you see, God knows us very well. And the fact that maybe your marriage has delayed. Going by this scripture, if you will fulfill, if you fulfill this original scripture, single or married, so what do you do? Serving the Lord with holiness. Loving the things of God. And there are many things you can do. Many things you can do. I know that, I've been saying that these days, all the church members who can, they all want to be in the prayer department. The prayer department is full. There's no vacancy there anymore. It's full. There's no vacancy in the prayer department. Prayer warriors. But we have vacancy in those who help us wash the, clean the washrooms. Hello? There's vacancy those who come and clean the place and dust the place and do dust do that, that thing that nobody will see you. Hello? We have vacancy for men in the choir. For men in the choir. Vacancy. Now, when you are single, according to the scripture, that's what God expects you to do. That's why we are single. And then you get married. When you get married, your attention is divided. Church, I know this carefully. It doesn't mean that now you are a sinner or God is not happy with you. No. So the little that you can do for God, now you are doing the rest in your marriage. Because marriage is a spiritual thing. And the marriage, that we, the marriage we have here on earth is symbolic. Church, know this. Marriage here on earth is symbolic of the marriage that took place in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and the marriage that will take place at the end of time between Christ as the groom and the church as the bride. So your marriage, whether you are single or married, as a believer really, all your life is a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment of marriage. When you are single, God knows that you get married. God knows you get married. So, what God wants you to do, you do it. In preparation for your marriage. Then God opens the door for you to get married. When you get married, now your time for God is divided. But the rest of your time is devoted to your marriage. And marriage is symbolic of what happened in the Garden of Eden... And what is going to happen between Christ as a groom and the church as a bride. And once you are careful to fulfill this, in other words, you make sure your marriage is perfect. Your marriage is according to the word of God. Hello? When you are not married as a single person, you perfected your life before God. Now, when you're married, you also take care to perfect your marriage before God. Then you are fulfilling God's plan concerning marriage. And also being a symbol, a type of the marriage that will take place. And when you do that, I believe when you do that, 
God will come in and whatever you ask of him, he will do it for you. And many of us, probably that when once we are married, we have more time for other things. We only come to church, sit down at church, the chair is clean, room is swept, everything is working. We give our tithe, give our offerings, we use the washroom, go away. The next time we come, everything that we don't but as far as how who prepared this place? How is this place set up? If you don't have free time, come here and pray. Pray. Hello? Now I said, today's teaching may be hard. But I see, anything that pertains to marriage is hard. It's not safe for it. Living God for children, children, beloved, remember, are a heritage from the Lord. It's God who gives our children a reward. Children are a reward. Heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward. The room is very quiet. Therefore, let's go to Hebrews 13 verse 4. Hebrews 13 4. Marriage is honorable among all. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. By fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Therefore, God wants you to marry. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed, the marriage bed is undefiled. Fornicators, adulterers, adulterers, God will judge. God wants you to marry church. Church, God wants you to marry. And God wants to honor himself in your marriage. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7. Revelation 19 verse 7. Nineteen verse 7. Revelation 19 verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Let us, let us be glad and rejoice and give God glory. Give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb, the marriage of Jesus, has come. And his wife, with the church, has made herself ready. This is what is going to happen at the end of time. Let her be glad and rejoice. And give God a glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Come. Marriage of Jesus is, is upon us. And his bride at the church is ready. So, when it comes to marriage, in fact, it's by grace. By the grace of God that many of us are blessed the way we are. Because, as I began by saying, we have not even fulfilled 
20% of what we are supposed to fulfill. And yet God, by his mercy and grace, gives, gives it to us. So, let us pay heed, attention to, to the word tonight. We're going to pray for marriage for children. When we say marriage, I mean those who are leaving God to marry and those who are already, who are already in marriage. That's marriage, marriage as a whole. Believing God for marriage and being in marriage. And marriage goes with children. Go with ch- goes with children. And here we are where the Corinthian church, um, it was unheard of. It appeared that it was unheard of for, for an unmarried person not to be a virgin. So there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The Bible says. Um, hardly do we see that is it? Yes, it's there. But the FCAC, um, many of us didn't know this, but we are making sure that our children who are coming, children who are being born here, raised here, please, as long as I have breath in my nostrils, <laughs> as long as I breathe, and I have not departed to be with the Lord, make sure that our children, our children, grew up in the church that they fulfill this this requirement and that's why some of you I keep asking of your children who were with us and I don't see them all that they are not they are nowhere else fooling around because they will have to marry and since marriage is from God every blessing that goes in marriage will come from God and if when you are youth young person you neglected the things of God you are gallivanting, fooling around, doing your own things. And you expect to marry and God to bless your marriage. Well, it will take the, the mercy and the grace of God. I'm not God. But I believe that if we all will make that attempt, make that attempt. Many of us didn't know this, but those who know it now, we know it now. Make sure that our children fulfill this scripture. Jesus came to fulfill the scriptures. He said, not one iota, not one iota, not one jot shall be, shall be missed. He came to fulfill the entire scripture. So, if you also fulfill the scriptures, then I believe God will say, well, I've found a, a man, I've found a woman after my own heart who will do, who will do all according to my word. That time, ask whatever you may, and, and we'll do it for you. So if you, have, if you haven't thought of it, you're going to go home, read this scripture. It's difficult to understand, but I believe that the Holy Ghost has shed some light on it for all of us. Difficult to understand. Like when I read the NIV, the NIV talking about different things altogether. Even the NIV couldn't understand it. <laughs> So, hello, hallelujah.